welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. You know, I think this series that we're in is amazing, Simply Supernatural. The idea that we can live in God a type of faith that makes a difference in our day-to-day life. That we're not talking about faith here. We're doing a whole series. We're actually talking about what your faith can do and what's available to each and every one of us through faith in Christ. But when we talk about the word faith, I just need to set an understanding before I go into the rest of my message that we're not talking about religion. See, some people, when they say the word faith, they mean religion. I'm of this faith, I'm of that faith. I used to live abroad in a different country in Southeast Asia and they were of a certain type of faith. And so when you would talk faith, it was about religion. But when we're talking faith in this series, we're not talking religion. We're talking about what God has given you by activation of His Holy Spirit to agree with Him to see His kingdom come, His will be done be done in and through your life. That faith is an active component. That faith is not a passive thing that we simply say, I'm of this faith, I'm of that faith. Now, when we say faith, we're actually talking about exercising the authority that God's given us as blood-bought children of the Most High God to see heaven invade earth. In every single circumstance of life. Here represented right now in our households, in our families, in our extended relationships that may be broken, in our working situations that may be under pressure, in our businesses that need breakthrough, in circumstances that need healing and turn around. When we're talking faith, we're talking about an active component that brings transformation. So who wants to talk about faith tonight? Is that okay? Let me share quickly a, a scripture out of 1 Thessalonians, actually two, yeah, 2 Thessalonians, I think, 1-3. It says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith, can you say your faith? One more time. Your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. I'll I'll say it again in the, the Passion Paraphrase. It says, For we remember before our God and our Father how you put your faith into practice. Can you say into practice? How your love motivates you to serve others and how unrelenting is your hope filled patience in our Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna say to us tonight that our faith, which isn't just religion, it's this idea that we can combine in agreement with God to see His authority invade our lives and come into every situation and circumstance we find ourselves in, that our faith is a growing faith. That it's not static, that it's not something that stands still, that if it's something that continually stands still or even starts to dissipate over time, I would say that we're missing out on what faith actually is. Faith is something that is meant to grow. Faith is something that's meant to increase. Faith is something that's meant to start at a certain point, but then go from there and break through into other circumstances and situations. Then we know we're actually progressing in our walk with Jesus if we're going from faith to faith, as we're going from glory to glory. Faith is meant to be something that causes a challenge in our lives to grow, that we we respond to it as God's responding to us. Faith is this amazing picture. And so tonight I wanna talk with you quickly about the idea that you get to grow your own. You say that with me, grow your own. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think it's ridiculous at the, this point of time in history that we're in that children would choose to collect things from coals and woolies that when I was a child, I never would have collected in my right mind. Last year, it was ridiculous that my son would come home and be excited that he had a miniature laundry detergent. That he would come home and give to his little sister a miniature like packet of apples and that this was the amazing thing that kids were going to school and swapping this stuff out and that this was the bee's knees, that if you were in with the cool crowd, you had little miniature items from Coles. And then Woolies didn't sort of take this line down. They bring out this thing called the Ushies and, and who got caught up with the Lion King stuff that came out? Man, oh man, every time I went shopping with my son Liam, who's eight years old, he was taking note of how much I was spending so that I would hit that magic $30 mark so that he could get an Ushi, a Lion King Ushi. And if I didn't hit it, holy dooly, he almost went running back into the store to grab whatever he could to add to it. He thought the purpose of Woolworths was not to get groceries so that we could eat. It was the purpose of Woolies was to get his collection of Ushies up and running. Man, there's a gold one and a coloured one and a this one. And I have no idea. But then they come out with something new. The rave at the moment is this Discovery Garden. Discovery Garden. I never would have thought in my right mind that my eight-year-old son would be excited about getting seedlings. It's amazing what marketing could do. That he's excited about getting seedlings to grow plants. He has no idea how to grow anything. But if the Ushies were cool and the miniature Coles laundry detergent was cool, well, this Discovery Garden is amazing, Dad, and we have to get every single one which is great because down the backyard of our house, we have an accidental veggie patch. And I call it accidental because sometime last year on one of my holidays, I had the bright idea of building a veggie patch for our family where I put together some wood and I filled it up with dirt and I left it. And it's accidental because I thought I'll be smart and make the soil rich by putting in compost. But see, I didn't understand that compost was something that you had to let rot for a while. So basically our compost was whatever I was cooking with, I just put the leftovers in. But it worked out well, because now we're growing potatoes. <laughs> we're growing beans. We're growing basil. We're growing coriander. We're growing chilies. Now, it's an absolute mess down there. I don't want to put up a photo. It's disgusting. Nobody sowed it. It's just coming up. But it's amazing that life happens. That you almost can't stop it. That it wants to happen. That you can take this thing, you can take these woolly seedlings that just look like cool little boxes and you can plant them and you can grow something. What if faith is like that too? What if faith is something that you can take as you receive it from God and you can place it in the most perfect position in your life and see it actually grow and do something? So I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 13 that Jesus talks about faith being like a mustard seed. A mustard seed. Now, look, I've just told you the extent of my veggie patch farming techniques where I've got no idea how we're growing what we're growing. But 
And my little understanding, a mustard seed was picked out by Jesus where He said, if you have faith as small as or like a mustard seed, you can do amazing things. And the picture that I always interpreted when I read those accounts of Matthew 17 and Mark 13, that it's talking about this idea, well, if I can just have a minuscule piece of faith, because this mustard seed, a Middle Eastern mustard seed, was a seed that was about one mil to two mil in diameter. diameter. It was tiny. And if I just had tiny faith, that could make a difference. And I interpreted the story to mean that if I had something tiny, if my faith just needed to, if I could just have a shred of faith, then that's enough. But I don't actually believe now that's what Jesus was talking about. See, what He did in picking this story about a mustard seed is that He's talking about a type of tree that grows in the Middle East that grows from such a small beginning to become a large tree of between 10 feet to 24 feet in height. But not only does it go high, it goes wide. And so Jesus, very strategically talking about faith, isn't so much saying you need to have small faith. He says, no, you have faith like a mustard seed. Well, why like a mustard seed? Well, here's the mustard seed, is that it grows in the most difficult of terrains and environments, that the soil can be rocky, sandy, poor, that the rainfall can be intermittent. And here's this thing, a mustard tree that grows even in the minimum of eight inches of rain a year. And it grows large and it grows big and it grows wide. And so when Jesus says to us, you can have faith and your faith is like a mustard seed. What He's saying is that your faith can be tough. Your faith can be hardy. Your faith can push through. Your faith, come on, your faith can be growing can be growing regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. That too often we think, well, if everything's going well with me, then my walk with God can be going well as well. But the idea here is that we can have faith that says regardless of the circumstances I'm in, it's robust, it's strong, it's vibrant, it's going up and wide and it's branching out from me. And that's the type of faith that's available. Faith that actually makes a difference. Faith that does something. Faith that grows. Can you say this with me? Grow your own. One more time. Grow your own. Faith is something we grow. And it's important that we grow it because Jesus measures it. Faith is important to Jesus. He responds to faith. He appreciates faith. Faith activates what Jesus wants to do in and through our lives and it activates us. It activates us because as we respond to Him, cause what we think might be small or insignificant to grow and become everything it was called to be. Faith is meant to make a difference. Faith is meant to shape our circumstances and our situations. There's this account in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13, where it talks about a centurion. A centurion was a military leader of the Roman army and he was living in occupied territory, was not his homeland. He was not of the same people as Jesus. He was not a Hebrew. 
And the account goes on that this centurion seeks out Jesus, seeks Him out for the purpose of seeing His paralysed servant healed, which is a very odd thing to happen. Number one, that a Roman centurion, a military leader, somebody who is honoured because of his exploits and his standing in the community would actually submit himself to seek out a leader not of his own people. And he seeks out and he finds Jesus. He says, I've got a paralysed servant at home and I want you to heal him. And so Jesus makes a response, well, I'll come with you. This is wonderful. Take me there. But the centurion says, no, I'm a man who's used to living with authority. And I say to people, go when they go. And I say people to come, they come. And so you just say the word and it'll be done. In the account of Scripture there, it causes Jesus to marvel, which means this is amazing. And he remarks, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. This faith is great. What made it great? That a man that didn't come from the country recognised what Jesus was doing and he brought himself in agreement so that Jesus could activate heaven coming to earth even through his life. Jesus marvelled and he measures and he responds to faith. There's another account where he marvels, where he's amazed but it's on the flip side in Mark chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. It talks about Jesus going to his hometown, his hometown where everybody knew him growing up. He's in his 30s at this stage and he's been ministering around, healing the sick, casting out demons, seeing people liberated and set apart with the call of God on their life. And as he's going around, he comes back home and as he's home, he starts teaching in the synagogue, which was the local religious meeting. And he starts teaching and all the people start saying things like, where has he gotten all this wisdom from? This is amazing. Where has this come from? And they start talking about the miracles that Jesus was doing. We can't believe all these miracles that Christ is doing. We can't believe it even to the point where they didn't. Because it goes on to say that Jesus couldn't perform great works there because of their unbelief because they actually couldn't get out of their head. Jesus, we know your mother. We knew your father, your earthly father. We know your brothers. We know your sisters. We know who you are. You are familiar to us and because you're familiar to us, you can't possibly be anything more. So their familiarity bred this idea God can't possibly be using you. And it says that Jesus marvelled, not at their great faith, but at their unbelief. I want to say to you tonight that we get to grow our own and that we can make Jesus marvel either side. That Jesus can marvel at the great faith that we have that says that we will accept Him at His word and respond and live our lives accordingly. Or we can live on the flip side. It says, I've seen it, 
I've read it, I've known it, I've done it, and allow the familiarity to take us away from everything that God would have for us. There's something more available in Him and through Him. And you say, grow your own. I'm convinced that Jesus' ministry while He walked the earth was not just focused on setting people free as He came across them, of casting out demons, healing the sick, proclaiming the good news, but it was also in activating people to do the same thing. It says in Matthew 9, 27 to 29, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed Him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, Son of David. When He entered the house, the blind men came to Him. Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to Him, Yes, Lord. Then He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. I'm convinced that Jesus is looking to activate us. That Jesus is looking for opportunities for us to bring ourselves and live in agreement with Him in such a way where we're activated to even be able to do the impossible. See, I'm convinced that faith allows us to think the unthinkable and do the undoable. That it allows us to break free of the familiar and the constraints that we accept because of the narratives that we have flowing on in our brain that says, I can't do it. God won't work through me. I've already tried and because I've already tried, I won't try again. But instead, Jesus is looking to activate the response that says, I believe it because you've said it and because you've said it, I'm gonna hold on to it and I'm gonna push through regardless and take hold of all that of which you've taken hold of me. That there's something more, but we get to grow it. That we have a part to play. And if we miss out on the part, then we become spectators in our own lives instead of participators in the grace of God. See, the grace of God isn't just forgiveness. Grace means unmerited favour, the forgiveness that God has given you. But on the flip side, it also means divine enablement to live the life that God's called you to live. Jesus wants to activate us. One of my favourite portions of Scripture is in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, where Jesus firstly in Luke chapter 9 gets together with 12 people that He's called out to Himself, the 12 disciples, the ones that would go on to become the original apostles. And He calls them out to be His key leaders. But what He does is this is not just a spectator sport to follow Jesus, is He actually calls them out in Luke chapter 9 and He sends them ahead two by two to all the villages that He Himself is going to. And He gives them authority to do everything that He can do. Everything that He can do. Everything that He can do. He doesn't say to them, you have to wait for me to come on the scene. He doesn't say to them, go into the village and when you hit a problem, stay there, wait. Send a text message, I'll come. Instead, He sends them ahead and they do everything that Jesus Himself did. Doesn't stop there though, because you would pick out those 12 and say, well, it's okay for those few and no more. Goes on to Luke chapter 10, where it says in some translations, there's a 70 or 72, but it's definitely more than 12, where he does the exact same thing. He gets them together two by two. says, go ahead to every village that I'm about to enter into and everything you've seen me do, go and do. And this group comes back amazed. 
We did it. Why? Because faith activates everything that Jesus desires to do in and through us now. Now. And I would say, I used to say this, that God's breakthrough was waiting on the other side of your obedience. But I would even go so far as to say that somebody's breakthrough is often waiting on the other side of your faith engagement with God. That who knows your presence and what you bring into a circumstance and situation and your willingness to engage with God, even in the midst of trials and circumstances and allow a mustard tree to grow up, even in the worst of times that would give birth to a type of faith that actually does move mountains. Shapes circumstances, shifts atmospheres and makes a difference. You're called to grow your own. So I want to say, if that's as easy as it is, then how do we do it? I, I would love to give you some thoughts on what it means to grow your own faith. Because I believe it's possible. First thing I'd say to you is, you need to pray beyond yourself. Pray beyond yourself. The book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, it says this, But you, beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. One more time, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you start to build a faith? Grow it yourself. Well, first thing I'd say is pray beyond yourself. Pray beyond yourself. And how do I pray beyond myself? Well, personally speaking, I, I don't actually pray beyond myself in English, in the language that I'm speaking to you now. It's not often talked about, but there's provision for us that the New Testament unpacks quite a bit. This idea that we've been given what the Apostle Paul would call another language. That some old school people would call a gift of tongues. And there's this idea that as you engage with God and you're filled with the Spirit of God, that you receive a gift from Him to be able to pray beyond yourself. And what makes this prayer so powerful and so interesting is that you actually bypass your mind and your spirit connects with God spirit to spirit. It's the reason why you could come to our prayer meetings that we have here in the morning Sunday mornings, we always start our services with prayer meetings. And if you weren't familiar with us as a church, you would walk in and hear people like myself praying and you would think that this is the most ridiculous meeting you've walked into. Well, I'll be walking around and I'll be saying things like this. And you're thinking, he has no idea what he's saying. You're right. I have no idea what I'm saying. But there's this idea that's unpacked there in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, that we can pray in the Holy Spirit. That there is given to us the ability to pray in a language that bypasses all the narratives that control our thinking, all the doubt that we accept, all the unbelief that we can live in. And we can bypass that by allowing our spirit to engage with God directly. You say, well, why would this be necessary? Because sometimes this is a mess. Because sometimes the own worst enemy to our own faith is what we're allowing to control our thoughts that become our actions. 
to become who we are. How do you build or grow a faith that makes a difference? Pray beyond yourself. I'm reminded of this. I, I used to pray in my prayer language tongues every single day. And then as more problems started to hit, as more things came on my plate that I had to pray about, the less I would go to God and pray in my prayer language. The more I would actually bring English. But I've got to confess, the more I would actually bring complaint. And my prayer life for a season became a couch of complaint where I would sit down and I would unpack every negative emotion, thought, feeling, experience to God, but not for the purpose of necessarily giving it to Him for Him to take it from me, but just so I had somebody that would listen to my complaining. And I've got to tell you, that's not prayer. And if it is prayer, it's certainly not going to grow you. It's actually going to kill whatever faith you have in your heart. And so when I pray in my prayer language, when I dedicate that time, that moment, where I just start going and my spirit engages with God's Spirit, it lifts me beyond where I'm at right now. And whenever I finish those types of prayer, it's as if I've encountered God face to face. You can have faith that grows, but you've got to be willing to pray beyond yourself which often means getting out of the mud and the mire and the circumstances around us to allow God to build us up. What else would I say? How do you grow your faith? I'd say be sustained by the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, but He answered, it is written. This is Jesus speaking. He's actually speaking, speaking to the devil. That in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is having a face-to-face conversation with the devil himself. That Jesus is just about to start His public ministry, the ministry where He's about to go out and activate people for the gifts that God's given them. And before He starts that public ministry in Matthew chapter 4, He's actually taken by the Holy Spirit to spend 40 days in the wilderness. And in the midst of that wilderness experience, He has a conversation with the devil. And the first thing the devil says is, Obviously, Jesus, because you're fasting, you're hungry. So Jesus, why don't you pick up these stones and turn the stones into food? Just do it. Which seems like a reasonable thing to say. If I was hungry and I had the ability to turn stones into cheeseburgers, why not? Sushi, there we go. Cheeseburgers, there you go. <laughs> oh, let it be done according to your faith. <laughs> Jesus picks up this conversation. And he says in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Talk about a slap to the face. Jesus giving the middle finger to the devil. You've got to sustain yourself on the Word of God. <coughs> Sustaining yourself on the Word of God doesn't just mean reading it just so you can tick it off to say, I've read it. It means engaging with the Bible and saying, there's something in here, Lord God, that you want to use to change me. And so my relationship with the Bible is a document of change. It's my change. 
I'm not going to the Bible and crossing it off and say, I don't agree with that, don't agree with that, don't agree with that, don't agree with that. Now, when I come across things that challenge me to grow, I immediately have the default reaction of, Lord, use this to speak to me so that I could be who I'm called to be. And so having a relationship with the Bible that goes beyond a U version Bible plan where we read one verse every couple of days and a devotional thought that goes with that. And instead coming at the Word of God directly and saying, Lord God, what do you wanna say to me? What do you wanna say to me? What do you wanna say to me? Because I gotta tell you, God wants to speak to you through His Word. And the more we're able to take hold of that makes a difference that is planted in our heart, the more our faith actually grows. The more we're transformed. So I'm convinced the purpose of a relationship with God is so that we can encounter Him and be transformed by Him. And if that isn't taking place, then it's not a relationship with God. And so His Word can sustain us. So can He say, pray beyond yourself, Let the Word sustain you. Next thing I'd say is use what you've got. Use what you've got. 1 John 5.4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Love to ask the team to come join me. 1 John 5.4 in the Passion Paraphrase says this, You see, every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Train your spirit to hear. Use what you've got. Faith is the most powerful thing. You know, when I met Jesus, I was 16 years old and I didn't come from a Christian family. I went to church for the first time after I met Jesus in my bedroom. I met Jesus in my bedroom because I prayed a prayer out of the back of a Gideon's Bible. And I read it out, knelt at the end of my bed because that's how Big Dog used to do it on TV. And he's the only person I'd ever seen pray in my entire life. But when I prayed that prayer, asking Jesus to forgive me of all my sins and to receive Him as my Lord and Saviour, I kid you not, it's as if Jesus walked into the room, knelt down on the end of the bed with me and hugged me. I think I lost a few hours crying. I'd never experienced anything like that. Went to church for the first time, week after. I started a journey where somebody starts teaching me the Bible and encouraged me and helping me understand what it means to have faith that makes a difference. And so I would read things in the Bible about how God would work through people and would change circumstances because of people's faith. And when I read it, I took it at face value. See, when I read Jesus doing things and Jesus saying, you can do these things as well, then I took it at face value and said, well, I should and I must and why not? And there are occasions, many occasions where I would wait until my parents had gone to bed. And when they'd gone to bed, I'd get up out of my bed and I'd I'd get up and I'd turn on the light in the kitchen and I'd be careful to be as quiet as I could. And I'd get the olive oil out of my kitchen cupboard and I would pour it all over my hands and I would cover my head and I'd walk around in the kitchen saying, Lord God, you're going to use me. Now that's ridiculous, I know. Nobody normally does that. But see, I'd read stories about how in the Old Testament, people who were set apart by God would be anointed by God with oil. 
And this idea of anointing oil was this idea that you were set apart and almost you would shine with God's goodness and that His power would rest on you and as by His power that would work through you, you could do all the things that He's calling you to do. So many times there were oil stains all through our house. It was so bad that my dad complained to the pastor. I said, I think, Dad, I think Chris is a fanatic. And complain. I said, he's too full on. Tell him to calm down. But I used what I got. 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 And the more I used it, the stronger I got. I'm convinced today that all the things that I've had the honour of experiencing in my relationship with God, all the things that He's led me into, all the encounters, all the things that I've seen, the healings, the deliverance, the freedom, the setting apart, the people coming to Christ, everything started then in my kitchen. Now you'd say, well, it started because you received Jesus. Absolutely, but I didn't stop there. That was the beginning point of the journey of transformation. Now, what really made the difference is I was just so flippin' hungry for more. And I didn't take the status quo. That when people would say to me in that small country town church that I came out of, that Chris, you're a little bit too full on, I ignored them. I ignored them because when I would read the Bible, I said, how can you not be full on for this? How can you not want to be full on for this? How can you not want people to experience what you've experienced? I don't understand it. It is not the four walls and no more. It's for out there that we come in here to receive, to get the oil on us so that we can go out there and make the biggest mess possible. Because God responds to our faith. Pray beyond ourselves. Sustain ourselves by the Word of God, but use what you've got and you get more. Is this okay? There's one more. Can I throw out one more to you before we get ready to land? Thank you for your overwhelming response. Of, I love it. Can you say this when we train your spirit to listen. Train your spirit to listen. You know, seven times in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, the book that's called the book of the end, the whole book starts off with an apostle, somebody who's followed Jesus all his life, having a vision of Jesus who's already ascended to heaven. And this guy, John, he's supposedly on his last legs. And at the end of his life, he gets to see Jesus himself come and visit him. And Jesus dictates to John a letter Seven letters that John is meant to write and send out to seven churches and then something much bigger than that. But each of these little mini letters that Jesus gives to John to send out to the seven churches always ends with a statement that Jesus said. To those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to them. And when I read this, I'm reminded that Jesus is still speaking today. And He says to us today, let those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to them. 
But I don't know about you, I have to train myself to listen. That I have so much noise going on that even when I have nothing else to do, I quickly move to grab my little ear pods to shove them in my ear because I can't stand silence. That if you catch me doing anything at home that isn't trying to wrangle our three children, I'll usually have headphones in because I just can't stand the quiet. I've got to be listening to this, got to be listening to that, got to be listening to this. I've got to use my time productively. But then again, I think God speaks to us out of the quiet. Those who wait upon the Lord. And it's almost like you've got to train yourself to listen. You want your faith to grow? Don't accept your first response as God's response. Don't accept your first response as God's response. As if a situation or a circumstance comes or somebody says something to you and your immediate response is this, that's terrible. And often we'll run with that response as if God approves Himself. Instead of saying, let those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says. God, what do you say about this? God, what do you say about this? I find myself over and over again with the situations and circumstances I'm presented with saying, God, what do you say about this? What do you say about this? What do you say about this? Because I wanna train myself to listen. And if we can do that, we can tap hold of the wisdom, the grace and the authority He has for us. You can grow your faith and your faith can make a difference. Because everything that Jesus did, He wants to do in and through you now. Amen. Pray beyond yourself. Be sustained by the Word of God. Use what you've got. Train your spirit to listen. You can grow your faith. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.